The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So welcome everyone. Let's go ahead and get started. And um, since the beginning of the year, we've been taking the first few minutes to reflect on the refuges and precepts. And the idea is each of us in our own way, making it our own practice. And uh, it's always true with these ancient rituals that they can sort of be left as rituals, which is not a bad thing for people to come together and do something together like a recitation of the refuges and precepts. But what adds real power to the spiritual rituals is if the heart's connected to the meaning and the experience that the meaning points to. So let's do a little reflection on the five precepts, sometimes called the five mindfulness trainings. And it's really about, like in terms of how the Buddha taught, one of the most direct and accessible ways to experience happiness is by cultivating this value of non-harming. And this is radically different than how we often are trained in our culture around morality. You know, that sort of parental, you should be good, you should be kind, you should share, you know, you shouldn't hit. And uh, what is uh, what arises in the Buddhist tradition is this more reflective um, examination, like when I am justifying hitting somebody or being stingy or being aggressive or being hateful or taking advantage of or not really caring about the deeper roots of harm and how I might be complicit in oppressing and harming other beings to notice that, oh, that's stressful, that's a burden on my heart. So the impetus for morality isn't to look good for others, so people think we're a good human being. The impetus for morality in a Buddhist, from a Buddhist perspective is it's in the direction of freedom. It feels good to live harmoniously, to live with this deepening value of non-harming. And, and it isn't even about getting there, and I think this is a really important point, that, okay, someday I'll finally get my act together, you know, and I won't be causing any harm. It's really seen as an endless, like there's joy in continuously peeling back the layers of how we might be subtly complicit to the causing of harm for others and how I might change this attitude or change this way of relating or might advocate for change in our society in ways. So I thought just just to take a little time so that we can do it ourselves, let's just all recite the five precepts for lay people now and then at the end. But afterward, I'll read a few passages from Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a very well-known Vietnamese Buddhist monk, still alive, as far as I know. Uh, Recently, in the last few years, went back to Vietnam after having taught in the West for many, many decades. Um, Just a very 
beautiful and wise teacher. So the five precepts, I undertake the training to refrain from harming and killing living beings. I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which hasn't been given to me. I undertake the training to refrain from causing harm through my sexual activities. I undertake the training to refrain from speaking in ways that cause harm, speaking falsely, harshly, in a slanderous way, or even idle speech. And the fifth is I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicating this mind with any kind of substance that leads me to be more careless in how I act in the world. So it's not an absolute prohibition against alcohol and drugs or other kinds of patterns of consumption. It's really more this pragmatic point, is how I'm consuming wine, drugs, or even media. Is it making me careless in how I show up in my world and in my relationships? So let me just read two comments that comes from the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition. He wrote, I'm sure, the original draft, but because he's had a stroke, they recently revised them. So I'm guessing that some of the senior people in the Thich Nhat Hanh community uh, were responsible for this more recent uh, revision. But for the first precept around non-harming and non-killing, reverence for life, it reads, aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I am committed to cultivating the insight of interbeing and compassion and learning ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, and not to support any act of killing in the world, in my thinking or in my way of life. Seeing that harmful actions arise from anger, fear, greed, and intolerance, which in turn comes from dualistic and discriminative thinking. I will cultivate openness, non-discrimination, and non-attachment to views in order to transform violence, fanaticism, and dogmatism in myself and in the world. And I've linked to these uh, comments from Thich Nhat Hanh in the chat, and I'll send that out right now. And a couple other links are there. So that's, you could recite or repeat in your own mind, yeah, I undertake the training not to harm. And then you could either read a wise person's comments like Thich Nhat Hanh's, or you could just reflect, well, what does that mean? What does non-harming look like? And, it, and especially, where are the edges where I'm inclined to justify harming? And let me really reflect, contemplate, feel into those places, those edges. So here's the comment for the second precept. I undertake the training to refrain from taking what hasn't been given to me. And it's titled, True Happiness. Aware of the suffering caused by exploitation, social injustice, stealing and oppression, I am committed to practicing generosity in my thinking, speaking and acting. I am determined not to steal and not to possess anything that I that should belong to others. And I will share my time, energy, and material resources with those who are in need. I will practice looking deeply to see 
that the true that the happiness and suffering of others are not separate from my own happiness and suffering. That true happiness is not possible without understanding and compassion. And that running after wealth, fame, and power and central pleasures can bring much suffering and despair. I'm aware that happiness depends on my mental attitude and not on external conditions. And that I can live happily in the present moment simply by remembering that I am already, that I already have more than enough conditions to be happy. I'm committed to practicing right livelihood so that I can reduce the suffering of living beings on earth and stop contributing to climate change. And this is like an interesting reflection, not taking what hasn't been given, especially in this world. Finally, the Congress took up the question of reparations recently, just this last week. And uh, just, you know, we all know to some degree, and it's our, responsible, our responsibility to feel into and learn more about the comforts that we have, of course, have been built on colonialism and the genocide of the indigenous people on this land and many centuries of slavery and just exploiting people who don't have power in so many ways, presently, past. So what does that precept mean? It kind of breaks our heart open, you know, because when we undertake the training not to take something that hasn't been given, we might think, well, that just means when I go to the store, I pay and then I get what I've gotten because I paid for it. But it's there's really no end to these trainings. And it isn't about feeling guilty. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help people who are being taken advantage of to feel guilty. It's just that breaking of our heart, opening of our heart, it just makes us more sensitive. So our response moment by moment becomes more creative, more nuanced, we're not living on autopilot where we think, okay, the way I'm living is good enough. So this is the a difference, you know, maybe than some of the ways we might conceive of morality or this commitment to non-harming. We're not just trying to make or reach some threshold where I'm good enough. Okay, now I don't have to worry about being a moral being because I'm good enough. I don't do this, I don't do that, and I'm sort of in safe territory. But it's really a spiritual training, and the thread following that training is really an inner pleasure. The inner pleasure of, you know, in Buddhism we have kind of a provocative term, blamelessness. Right? When we cultivate the sensitivity to non-harming, we sleep better at night. We feel like my heart, the habit energies of my heart, over time, are more and more trustworthy, precisely because I've cultivated the sensitivity and this wholesome desire not to cause harm. And I'm to do that, then we learn how to listen with humility. How might my actions, my thoughts, and my words cause an uh, unwholesome impact on others? What am I not seeing? And again, it can sound like, well, that sounds stressful. But being oblivious is actually turns out to be a lot more stressful. You know, 
living as if our actions, our thoughts and words don't matter, that staying in ignorance turns out to be more stressful. And that's what we're waking up to. So the whole movement towards being a more moral being is a natural fruit of the sensitivity we develop in meditation, which we'll do now. So go ahead and stretch and adjust and settle in to a comfortable posture for the meditation time, if you would. So we're cultivating an upright, relatively still, relatively relaxed as much as possible posture, that sense of integration and being right in the middle. That sense of wholeness as we practice receiving and being in the body. And meeting our life energy, the vibration of embodiment, hardness, tightness, softness, the whole range of embodied experience here and now. Let's practice meeting it in a tender-hearted way. Because if we haven't learned anything, we probably at least have learned that it isn't easy being a human being. So this is a beginning, just a beginning to realize I do care about this life. And you can even, if you want, touch your heart. I care about this sensitive heart. This heart all day long, day after day, week after week, year after year, all day long, this heart is exposed to the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. Or another way we talk about it in Buddhism, the eight worldly winds of pleasure and pain, gain and loss, praise and blame, fame and disrepute. I care about the sensitive heart that feels, that experiences all that comes and goes. And right now I care enough to be present. I deeply value present moment awareness. I value this openness to this life, especially in this most concrete expression as a sitting body, a breathing body, a feeling body. And I resolve to stay close. This is our foundational spiritual move, this compassionate wish to stay close to the feeling heart. And it's also the place of our most common spiritual mistake, I guess we could say, where we unconsciously usually 
choose to disconnect from how it is right here in the heart, right here in the body. Is it safe now to simply feel what we're feeling, feel what's moving here in the body and in the sensitive heart? Is it safe enough to relax right now and to allow whatever's moving here to move as it is? What happens when I relax a little bit more, feel into the moment a little bit more, trust a little bit more? I value this present moment awareness and maybe strange, but the amazing thing is, of course, when we're willing to feel into the body, into the sensitive heart, we're unavoidably also feeling into the, our churning world. In a funny way, this is where we meet each other. Coming into the body, feeling the sensitive heart is the place we meet. Like it or not, we're interdependent in the sense of affecting each other. And we feel that right here in the middle, right here in the core and the sensitivity of the heart and body. We feel the activation. We feel at times numbness. At other times we feel the heat of reactivity or even anger. We feel the movement of greed and lust. We feel the deadness of superficiality. We feel joy, we feel love. The full range of human experience. And in a way, this is our primary meditation object, breathing in sensitive to this tender heart, breathing out sensitive, experiencing this sensitive heart, just as it is, alive with feeling, never ending, always changing. And the path, we could say, is this learning, trusting that the exposure to whatever's moving in the heart, it changes us. It undoes all the habits of being fixed, having fixed views, self-centeredness, 
simply by being a student, being sensitive to the heart. And we get close to the heart by willing to be embodied, to feel the sitting body, the breathing body, Breathing in, sensitive to the whole body. Breathing out, sensitive, open to the whole body, just as it is. And of course, the whole body includes the sensitive feeling heart. Nothing is being left out. And give yourself permission. You don't need to create any meaning You don't need to define or explain your experience to yourself. It's so much simpler than that. Breathing in this willingness to be open and receive whatever feeling, whatever's moving here in the body and the heart. And breathing out again, just that willingness to feel and be sensitive and to allow just as best we can. So we're going to continue in silence now. But remember that thread of wholesomeness and inner pleasure that comes from being close and having some distance from being pushed around by thought and ideas, but instead being more simply grounded in the reality of embodiment and the sensitive heart.
the whole path is learning how to stabilize present moment awareness. And we usually train with this experience of embodiment and breath and the feeling heart. And we learn how to be open, continuously aware as best we can, undefended. And as we learn to relax and learn to be interested in this continuous way, we tune into this inner pleasure of tranquility and joy and contentment and ease and quiet and peace. We get a better sense of the nature, the empty nature of the heart and mind. The mind more like open space. And in that space, Different things come and go, sounds and thoughts and sensations and emotion. You just get a better sense of what it means to be human. And the Buddha invites us at this point when things are somewhat settled to contemplate the changing ephemeral nature of both the body and the mind. The breath keeps coming and going, thought comes and goes, emotion always flowing on and on. Even that sometimes intense feeling we have in our hearts, when we look honestly, it's a river. It's always flowing and moving and changing, sometimes intense, sometimes subtle, sometimes painful, sometimes pleasurable. So we're learning to meet, learning to be intimate with our lives as they actually are. And the heart learns that there's really no place, no useful place for any fixed view, fixed sense of I, me, or mine. All of that slowly gets uprooted simply by learning to inhabit this subtle ground, this flow of the activity of the body and the mind here and now. So in this sense, our most useful teacher is this experience, this life itself, 
the nature of this life itself. This is what teaches the heart to let go, to allow and to begin to taste initially, it might be quite faint, but to begin to taste a kind of surprising freedom. Surprising because the world is still the way the world is, very imperfect. Our bodies are still the way our bodies are. But still there's this experience of freedom, the release of fixation, the release of craving, the release of fear. So we just acknowledge these tastes of freedom that have come our way in our lives, in our sits. And appreciate being on the path. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.